slash and cast. Welcome back, fiends, to Hand of Whisker, presented by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. Uh, tonight, we are continuing our Shark Week or Shark Month celebration uh, with some late 90s horror. Uh, we did an absolute blast with this one tonight. We are talking about Deep Blue Sea, released in 1999. And, uh, you, you know, like, I, I I forgot just how good this movie actually was until we sat down to to rewatch it, because it just it had been so many years since I'd seen it. And I know during Twisted Tuesday, we were uh, talking about, like, oh, yeah, like, there were sequels to this. I haven't seen either of them. But I, I, I distinctly remember this was one of those uh, franchises that waited way too fucking long in order to come out with the sequel. Because I want to say part two came out in like 2018. And I know there was a, a third movie that came out uh, last year. It's something like that. But anyways, uh, our Shark Week Madness continues. And of course, I'm joined as always by my co-host Grindhouse Zombie. Zombie, how are you doing tonight, sir? Uh, you know what? I'm doing fantastic. Um, I So yesterday morning, I got up like way too early. My month had to go out. Um, and then as soon as my mom had to go out, it was like, well, fuck it, I'm up. And I actually watched on Shudder. I don't know if you've seen this, but there is kind of a documentary now on Shudder called Sharksploitation. Have you watched it? I, I have not. I did see it pop up like it, it had just come out. And it's, you know, it's perfect timing, uh, given the fact that, you know, it is Shark Week and uh, we are celebrating it on the podcast. And I've I've been hearing nothing but good things because it's it felt like they hit some of the major stuff, a lot of uh, stuff that isn't really well known as well. So has like a good mixture of everything there. Yeah. It, uh, oh, so so a shark exploitation is fantastic. Everybody should go watch it. It is such a great history of shark movies in cinema, sharks in cinema. Um, some of the let's say dubious antics that people went to to film sharks um especially in the early years called the 50s and 60s um when they use their uh their stun sticks or their boomsticks on sharks and that just seemed uh honestly kind of awfully shitty um uh movies where people died during the filmmaking and they used the footage in the movie uh which is um one piece of me says that's fantastic, and one piece of me says, "Well, holy shit!" Um, so, uh, if you're even remotely a fan of, of of shark movies, go out and watch this because it was fantastic. Um, funny enough, Deep Blue Sea uh, comes in there as kind of a turning point for shark movies, sort of a revitalization of shark movies um, and interest in them after they had been. Um, you know, with the Jaws franchise and then a lot of the low-budget stuff that was out there, um, it, people see this as a revitalization of the shark genre. Um, 
and then going into especially the low budget stuff, which I mean, come on, it. We t- we've talked about Sharknado, um, and that's <laughs> also features very heavily in this um, documentary. Um, but Deep Blue Sea, for our time, is the Jaws of back then. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, and I want to point it out now because I think it's 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 super important. There's one scene in this movie that both pays homage and gives a giant middle finger to Jaws 3, which we've talked about before. <laughs> um, and I, I, I can't wait to talk about it because it's, it's, it's so fun and it's so well done, but it was like, here's what it should have looked like, mm-hmm. so fuck you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it does play homage to uh, the Jaws franchise. Uh, one initially with the uh, the Tiger Shark license plate that we saw in the original Jaws. I would also draw us a lot of parallels in regards to how the sharks are actually killed in Deep Blue Sea when it comes to uh, Jaws 1 through 3, which was really great to see. Um but I want to talk about the screenwriting of the movie really quick because we have Duncan Kennedy, uh, who, uh, you know, growing up in Australia, he had seen remains of a shark attack victim. Uh, so, of course, that was fueling his nightmares about uh, basically being trapped inside of a passageway uh, filled with sharks uh, that could. I don't know why this was the case, but uh, they could read his mind. And he uh, he channeled those dreams into the script, right? Uh, because, you know, in the movie, uh, the shark's brains have, uh, you know, been modified a little bit by the power of science. Uh, because we are doing research uh, for medical purposes, uh, which just so happened to make the sharks in Deep Blue Sea smarter and more deadly. Because, of course, you know, it makes them even better predators. <laughs> and... You know, one of the things that has always stood out to me about this movie is the set and the studio that they use, because the majority of the movie was shot at Baja Studios in Mexico. Uh, This is basically like the same studio that we got from Titanic. Uh, And they did a lot of shoots in the Bahamas with real sharks as well. And the special effects teams uh, in regards to the animatronics, you know, they'd spent up to eight months in order to make the sharks. And this was the same uh, crew helmed by uh, Walt Conti, who had built Willy and Free Willy, which is a great throwback to Twisted uh, Tuesday, uh, as well as the snakes in Anaconda. Yes, those snakes, the ones that would scream, because that's what snakes do. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> but uh, well, it's funny that you say that. It's funny because in in shark exploitation, they do. They do a couple of things. One they talk about is the, the modern day shark movies and how when the sharks attack, they have a growl mm-hmm. and and sharks don't make any noise, which is honestly kind of fun. But then going to Deep Blue Sea and all the things that Deep Blue Sea talks about in terms of what we'll call science um, in the, the, the documentary, they actually have marine biologists come in and basically debunk all of that, um, which is fun. But at the same time, even the marine biologists will basically admit it made for a fun story. So ultimately, who cares? You know, um, so yeah, it's, it, again, it's like not being alive when Jaws came out or maybe I was alive, but I was probably still a tit sucker when it came out. It, it 
being like the next generation's Jaws movie, um, and then what it propelled into the further movies. And watching Shark Exploitation, the one thing that I learned, I mean, and and I know about you know Shark to Puss and mm-hmm. Six Headed Sharks and you know Ice Shark and it, any noun with the word shark, pretty much. I mean, you could you could basically do. Um, and again, I, uh, I applaud all that. Keep, keep making movies. Um, I, I, I think that it's, you know, as we, as we go on in the future and things become more and more of a lost art, when we have people that actively go out and, um, make these movies, I think it's really fun. Um, I do want to give a little bit of a shout out to a friend of mine. Um, because I think it's important here just just talking about sharks. Um, but my friend Carly Sonnefeld, um, who is an actress um, in an upcoming movie called Bathtub Shark Attack. I'm, I'm so looking forward to my screener. It's, I, I've got a screener coming in the mail, of all things, which is absolutely <laughs> awesome. And coming from the, the, the director, Madeline Deering, she's, she's sending me a screener. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of the fact that I don't think that low budget has to be bad. Mm-hmm. Um and I just love people that are creative and like to tell a story in a new way, so I'm super looking forward to it. I, I think I think it kind of really rides the the coattails of, of the whole Shark Week thing. Um I think it's gonna be fantastic and I look forward to talking about it. You know, it goes without saying too that you know when it comes to filmmaking, um, regardless of what sort of budget there there is, um, even with like good bad movies, you know, I found it so much easier as uh, time has gone by and you know being more of an adult now. Um, it's a lot easier for me to enjoy things. I'm not as bitter as I used to be or, like, super, like, analytical <laughs> about the films, <laughs> you know? Because, uh, like, when we watched Sharkula, you know, I remember just having an absolute blast. Was it the best movie? No. But, you know, there there are always those, like, handful of movies that are, like, the perfect uh, party appetizer to watch with friends that were like, you know what? Let's watch something where we could just have absolute mindless fun and uh, for me, at least, Sharkula has become one of said movies. <laughs> no shit. Okay. Well, I think we've talked about Sharkula and how much I... It, there's still something wrong with Dracula taking a, mm. a stroll through a sunny meadow in the middle of the day. I still have an issue with that. But I will give you this. Um, there's a movie called Shark Side of the Moon, mm-hmm. uh, which has become the same thing for me. Yeah. Which is... It is... It is so fun and so ridiculous. And, and and to be perfectly honest, Shark Side of the Moon is actually very well made. Um, so it it brings about a level of discussion versus mockery, mm-hmm. right? Um, there there's definitely some things where you can go, oh come on, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, it is really well for what it is. It is really well made. The CGI, the shark CGI, whatever else is is really well done. There's not a lot of things to to complain about other than the fact that if you sum it up, it's not a great movie. But so many things are well done in it that it kind of makes it a great movie. So, it, yeah, I mean, and I so I love what you said about that, like just being able to like to find a thing and to cling on to it and be able to share it with your buddies and whatever else. I mean, it's 
I think that's a lot of what, especially when you have, I mean, because if you want to talk about anything that has to be involved with a shark, it's a creature feature, right? Right. Um, and creature features ultimately are, are kind of hit or miss, but it, it is amazing. It is amazing how many movies there are right now out about a shark in one form or another, whether it's an ice shark, a six-headed shark, a shark to puss, a shark in space. I mean, it's just so... I, in terms of our zeitgeist, mm-hmm. it's it's still fun that, you know, going back to the early 70s when Peter Benchley wrote Jaws and then turned it into a movie, it's something that has held on. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, that's great. Yeah, I, I love, though, like how over the years, uh, it's it feels more pronounced that like shark movies have become more of a... Uh of an ad lib when it comes to like, okay, how are we going to differentiate ourselves? Okay. What's, what's our gimmick going to be for the movie? <laughs> and you're just filling in the blank. Uh, cause it, you know, it ranges anything. We've, we've had uh, sky sharks, we've had land sharks, we've had uh, sand sharks, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be in the water either, you know? So it's just absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so I, I feel like we, we've, I, I'm not gonna say we've seen all facets of shark movies up to this point in time. Uh, but regardless, it is just one of those subgenres that I personally just can never get enough of, and uh, I'm constantly just going back to checking out, uh, the newer features, for better or worse, uh, cause, uh, yeah, we did have one that we had slated, and we didn't actually end up doing an episode on it, cause, uh, yeah, we were pretty annoyed by it, <laughs> uh, with the Black uh. Demon, but, uh, that's besides the points! Ah, uh, but yeah. Well, and it, uh... You know, the more I think about that movie, the more the more I think, because it had such a large budget and whatever else, maybe we were not giving it its due diligence. But at the same time, it's it's been a while since I've watched a movie, and I hated the story, I hated the characters, I hated the sets, and moreover, I hated the shark. I mean, it's so it's like I. It just, it's I, I I think it's very it's very rare to watch a movie and just be like oh for fuck's sake be over already mm-hmm. you know and I'll tell you what when I was watching Shark Side of the Moon I never put my head down and wished for it to be over I was just I was waiting for the next gag or the next thing mm-hmm. and I, I I think Black Demon was trying to be something that it had absolutely no way of possibly living up to and because if if you break it down to its brass tacks. It was trying to be an environmental movie. Yes. Okay. And it's like, if you want to be environmental, that's fine. Okay. Don't put a megalodon in it. That's not gonna. That's not gonna sell me because mm-hmm. it was just so. Yeah, that movie sucked. Let's move on. Let's yeah. go. Let's move on and talk about a movie that's actually good, <laughs> which is Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. So uh, getting back to uh, the Jaws uh, introductory uh, part with the license plate, uh, we do see that towards the beginning of the movie when Carter is uh, removing it from the teeth of a tiger shark. And of course, it is of likeness to the license plate that is taken from the stomach of the tiger shark that is cut open in Jaws, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, like just the set design in this movie, as I mentioned, in uh, set in Baja Studios, uh, and they were built on top of the tanks there. Uh, and, you know, those tanks were designed to submerge. Uh, other ones were built on these sound stages. Uh, so basically, you had the production designers putting fish tanks full of water outside of these portholes, uh, and then they would light them up 
uh, to make it appear as though the entire facility was underwater. And it is very effective in this movie. And that's that's always been kind of like for me, like the brass axis of this movie. You know, you have very realistic looking animatronics, uh, which is a great thing because I, I, you know, mixed with CGI and, you know, for for 90 CGI, I would say, honestly, they held up pretty well. You know, we don't always oh. get, we don't always get that. <laughs> no, no, this uh, this movie uh, from the sharks to the sets to the acting to just the overall story. There's nothing about this movie that is ineffective. There's nothing. I mean, there's nobody who's going to argue with Alzheimer's research. Um, the sets themselves. I mean, I for maybe for the 90s. OK, yeah. But I mean, there's nothing here that's what I would call unbelievable. I mean, now, now granted, they do have a couple of uh, conversations about the fence that they talk about that they put up, and it's like, there's this, it's this high, and it's this low, and whatever else. There's a couple of times where I'm like, eh, well, maybe. But uh, other than that, I mean, overall, between, I mean, you know, having Janice from The Sopranos, really can't go wrong there. Um, it, just every every actor in here plays their part to an absolute T. I mean, for, for me, Preach is one of my favorite characters. I love Preach. I, there's just, there's no getting around it. Um, but everyone here does such a great job. And there's, it's one of those rare movies where you watch it and it doesn't feel like they have a lot of extraneous people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like everyone here has a thing to do. They do their thing up until they basically die, Right. But they don't feel like an afterthought, and that's kind of fun for me. That, like, oh yeah, you're here, you're doing your part, everything's good, and oh, sorry, you're dead. You know, up to, up to and including the parrot. Even the parrot was good. Well, there were two parrots because they couldn't afford like a Hollywood parrot. <laughs> oh, couldn't afford a Hollywood parrot. Okay. Yeah, so it wasn't. It wasn't well. Wrangler. It wasn't like well trained. Um, they basically had one that would like fly around pretty well, and then the another one that would uh, was uh, would perch. I guess would be the best really? way to put it, like on uh, LL Cool J's soldier yet or soldier. Okay. Shoulder. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. I was like, huh. I guess that uh, just wasn't within the budget. You know, it's all spent on the uh, the animatronics or or what have you. Um, but anyways, this is this is also one of those movies, and I, I love when this happens in filmmaking, when, uh, you know, something doesn't necessarily go off without a hitch, uh, but, you know, like, regardless of what happens, it still made uh, the final cut of the movie and made it for a, a pretty great moment. Uh, so it's not... You don't always have movies that uh, have scenes that are just an unexpected event that happens. So, like, in Deep Blue Sea... Uh, there is a moment when the crew is attempting to bring Jim uh, to the rescue chopper. Uh, and then they all get hit with like this giant wave uh, that was never actually meant to happen. Uh, you know, they were basically like trying to like replicate like this heavy storm. Uh, but, you know, you have like their real reactions to being swept by the water and that ended up making it into the final cut. Uh, and, you know, it just ended up being like a blessing in disguise, which, uh, you know, Samuel L. Jackson had talked about in, you know, some of the commentary tracks for, for the movie. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's always interesting to see how many of those instances where, like, there's just a, a genuine mistake that happens, um, that just 
adds a little bit more to the scene. Because uh, they weren't supposed to get knocked around like that. So, you know, there's a little bit of a moment of panic because, like, obviously there weren't any, like, safety harnesses for, for any of the crew in, in that particular scene. <laughs> so they're like, trying to latch on, which is great. Well, yeah, because they're shooting off the coast of Baja, so it's, like, mm-hmm. a, a, a theoretically a pretty, a pretty safe place, right? And, I mean, and there are really a lot of movies where you have a moment. Mm-hmm. And and I think I talked about this, the shark exploitation thing. Uh, seriously, if you watch that documentary, you will learn a lot about how A, movies were made in the, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and how things were a little unscrupulous. Um, but then also how people really knew nothing. I mean, they really knew nothing about sharks and what they did, you know? And so it was, a lot of it was learning curve, you know? But there's a little piece of me, and and again, I'm not a, I'm not a beatnik hippie or whatever else, you know, I'm not going to do that. Uh, there were some things in there about how they treated sharks that really pissed me off. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, why would you do that? Like, it just, it just seems uh, cruel and unnecessary. But I, anyway, so I digress. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, and I think uh, there's a lot of movies where you can talk about where they have these close calls and they, whatever else, and it, and it ends up in the movie. But I think that, I think ultimately that's kind of a piece of movie making, and for as much as those things are are unscheduled or un, we'll call it uncalled for, whether it be a scene, I think a lot of it is what makes the magic of a specific scene. Absolutely, uh, this is another one of those movies too where we're really led to believe that uh, Russell Franklin is or is like the inspiring hero in in all of this. You know, he's the one who's trying to bring all of these other characters to safety. Uh, and then he has, like, uh, this pretty famous abrupt death scene, uh, with a surprise attack, which is fantastic, uh, which, you know, is another way where, uh, you know, as a movie maker, you're like, all right, well, we're going to show that, uh, really nobody is guaranteed to survive, uh, which is very reminiscent to, like, what we got, uh, cause, uh, in, in Alien, uh, cause that was basically Rennie Harlan, uh, the director's, uh, inspiration in this case, uh, because, you know, Dallas obviously being the more recognizable face of Alien, mm-hmm. at least out of the cast, uh, everyone expected him to be the hero in the movie. Then uh, he was quickly killed off by the xenomorph in the vents. And, of course, that in- inspired him to kill off Samuel L. Jackson in this case, uh, who was really the most famous face out of, you know, the whole cast for Deep Lucy. Oh, and his his death. I mean, it's it's a surprising, but it's also the, the moment in the movie where they're trying to make they're trying to make a rich suit a person, you know, and in the midst of his speech about why you should think about me as a person, whap, mm-hmm. it just boom, you know, and then, but then also getting to the end of the movie, this is, this is one of those rare ones where your final girl gets smoked. You know, it's a, it's, it's a rare thing to watch the final girl die and just, you've got two other people that survive. It's, it, it's, it's not a super common thing in a lot of these movies, just, you know, based on what they are. Right. Um, but it's also to spend an entire movie with, with, I mean, and let, let's be honest here. You, you look at movies from the eighties, nineties, probably even up to today where you build up a heroine and a hero, right? Um, almost exclusively you get to the end and the heroine is left panting and sweating and dripping with water, dripping with blood, but she's alive. And this is one of those few where they were like, Nope, she is cannon fodder. Let's go. 
I mean, and that's a that's a rare thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's even rarer though that they that they do it twofold, since they did the most re- recognizable actor in it, but also the person that they were setting up to be the final girl uh, in this case. <laughs> Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, and even from the start of this movie where you have all those people out on the boat, um, again, for a shark movie, this is something, it's, I don't want to call it disjointed, but it's, it, the way that they play this off when you have those, all those, we'll call it rich kids on the catamaran or whatever they're doing, and the shark is busting up their boat and coming through, and then all of a sudden you have this guy who's like, and he kind of harpoons the shark and kind of reels it in. I mean, it, it for the cold open, even for the cold open, it was cold. Mm-hmm. It was like it didn't it didn't give you much. You know, the the most blood that you saw spilled in the water was a bottle of red wine that got tipped over. And it was like, so that's well, OK, you know, and then boom, we're, we're back at the research station and we have our Samuel L. Jackson, the, you know, the rich suit, as everybody calls him, mm-hmm. kind of coming in. And it's. Ah, ah, it's honestly got a different vibe, and I think that's one of the things I love about the movie is that it's so different. It doesn't, it doesn't follow a lot of the lore of shark movies to this point. You know, it gives you something different. Now, I mean, if you look at like say like Jaws Street, like we talked about, yeah, there was definitely some rich guys and some whatever else, but this is not following that formula. I mean, it's it it's telling telling everybody who is everybody up front. Like you get a you get a real good read on everybody, you get a real good vibe, um, but then it's like there's this undertone of like, yeah, we're doing this, but and I think this is a rare thing uh, for a shark. This is for the good of humanity, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a totally new thing for shark movies. It's like we're doing this because we think everyone will be better off in the end, and that's a new thing. Absolutely, and uh, you know. Since it does draw a lot of parallels to uh, Jaws in in mostly like with the way that everything is presented in regards to the kills, um, I I do enjoy the fact that you know they went out of the way. They're like, okay, we need to do something that is a, a little bit bigger. So you know they just make the the shark in this movie just just slightly bigger than the one it draws, which is great. Um, but I I really appreciate the fact that you know you, you can draw the parallel with every shark death in this movie. Two draws one through three, uh, which is fantastic because we have the first one, uh, which dies in an explosion after a one-liner. Uh, the second one dies by being electrocuted uh, to death mm-hmm. from being fed a cable, uh, which is taken directly from Jaws 2. And then, of course, we have the, uh, I want to say it's like 40 feet uh, for like the, the female shark, the, the one that they were uh, generated Uh which is very similar to like what we got in Jaws 3D. Uh, that one is killed by a bomb going off underwater, uh, which results in just an absolutely ridiculous bloody explosion, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's just I love that this movie was able to not just make one nod because that would be like the easiest thing to do. But we have multiple homages throughout the course of the movie back to the Jaws franchise because, uh, you know, normally we just get like a small snippet or like we'll we'll hear like something about, you know, uh, a familiar like shooting location or they talk about like the specific type of shark that, you know, we've seen from other movies. But not in this case, we're like, no, nope, we're going to go all the way through or we're going to like line all the ducks up in a row or in this case sharks. And we're just going to blow them up 
any way that we feasibly can. And, uh, you know, the end result, you know, we, I, you don't really see, m m um, a lot of other movies try to bring it full circle to that sort of degree. Well, no, I think you're right. And with this and I, I, how most other shark movies will give subtle nods to things. This movie was not even remotely subtle about its nods, but at the same time, it gave nods while still being its own thing, mm -hmm. which I think is honestly a hard thing to pull off. I think it's, it, you can't, it, it, to give a nod is one thing to be a copier is another thing. And they found that middle ground where they were like, yes, we know jaws came first and it was great or whatever else. And we're kind of trying to do something different. And, but even with, like with all the characters, I mean, the research assistants, the doctor, the doctors, um, and you know, and Thomas Jane as our badass like shark wrangler is the only thing I can think of to call him. Um, and he's like somehow an ex con. And there's just, it, like, there are so many things about this that don't make sense, but they, they make the movie flow in a way that it doesn't really matter that it doesn't make sense. You know, you still, you still believe it. And, you know, ultimately how the goal of this research team is, is ultimately pretty altruistic. Um, it's a really easy thing to buy into to be like, well, of course, why wouldn't you, you know, I mean, find somebody on this earth who has not had a family member or somebody they know affected by Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, you know? So it's like, it, it, it's pretty easy to buy into. Well, of course you do this. That all makes sense. Duh. Yeah. And I, I love how like morality is also something that's always kind of like brought into question too, regardless of, uh, you know, you, what your background is, you know, because obviously, like, they give the con a, a ton of shit about, like, oh, yeah, well, uh, who, who, who are you to say anything on this matter when, uh, you know, when you've served time, basically, in this case, but, you know, obviously, like, with these science experiments, you know, not everyone was uh, on board with it or w was, you know, in the know about it, uh, especially, like, with increasing the brain size of, you know, the sharks, uh, but, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> You know, it's it's really the only way to find the find the end meet in in this case. You know, they 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 have their objective, and uh, you know, like for the most part, things go pretty well. Uh, but of course, you know, as you would expect, you know, the sharks do escape, and uh, yeah, that uh, usually turns into just an absolute feast when it comes to uh, you know the carnage candy, which is great to see. Well, yeah, the the morality piece, I love that because um, I I can't think of like a, a research place that would put out a job application on LinkedIn and be like, please be an ex-con and please be buff and look <laughs> great in a wetsuit, right? Um, you know, but at the same time, I mean, this whole movie, I mean, one of the undertones is second chances. That It's really, really kind of what it is. Um and then when it comes to science and it comes to morality and moreover, maybe even ethics, right? Um, it's pretty clear that these guys violated some ethical boundaries while they were doing things. But at the same time, there's a piece of me that understands that that's probably what you have to do to make things advance. You have to take chances. Um, and understandably, it's easier to digest the fact that they're doing what are 
possibly genetic experiments on sharks versus people, but the the sharks in this case are analogous to people, right? Because of what they're trying to fix. So it does kind of cloud that, where it's like, um, yeah, maybe. But then when they have their rich suit guy walking around and they're trying to explain things to him and he's just like, well, what about this or what about that? And everyone's constantly kind of dodging him. It does put that whole moral and ethical thing into question. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there there are multiple times in this movie where it's like, all right, maybe we shouldn't stand too close to, you know, the subject. <laughs> uh, both, you know, when it comes to when they are trying to extract the fluid from uh, one of the earlier sharks after they capture it, because, uh, you know, they're trying to remove some of the, the fluid from the brain tissue, uh, the largest shark that they have. Uh, and then, of course... That is when Jim is attacked by the shark and his arm gets bitten off, uh, which is fantastic, uh, which leads into uh, the the helicopter rescue uh, to, you know, help evacuate it. And, of course, you know, we we see him being lifted uh, by the cable jaws and, uh, yeah, he ends up falling into the shark pen, which definitely comes in to play uh, because, like, this is, like, one of the one of the fantastic scenes to... Uh, is when Jim falls into the shark pen and we see the shark grabbing the gurney and pulling the chopper down. And of course, you know, they, they, they do the whole ordeal where it's like it's like the slow descent. And, you know, the helicopter is just inching closer and closer uh, to the tower. You know, we get the massive explosion, which kills, uh, you know, not just the pilots, but also Brenta. Uh, who is the uh, the tower operator, in this case, for the facility. And then we have just that awesome moment, right? Right after that, after the explosions, when one of the sharks ends up using Jim's body as a battering ram to just smash into the underwater window, uh, which ends up flooding the facility and uh, ends up freeing all of the other sharks there. Uh, and, you know, we see, like, that slow death with Jim when it comes to, you know, asphyxiation. And, you know, like, that's shortly after that is when we, like, we have, like, that confession from Susan when it comes to, like, oh, yeah, you know, we uh, genetically had altered some of these sharks. And you're like, yeah, no shit. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that see, that's always hard. And, and. And I, I think I just said this, but I'll say it again because I think it bears repeating. The when you have these people doing these things, and it's like I'm, you know, I'm I'm not a fan of, you know, people fucking with the earth and fucking with the you know the various um, habitats that we have. Um, at the same time, um, and I didn't know it at the time when I first saw this movie um, because it was. A number of years ago, but eventually my father died of Alzheimer's. So at watching this again, I was really surprised how how it hit me. Like all of this makes sense. And I can understand how stretching the boundaries of what's ethical um might make some sense. Mm-hmm. And how I think that's probably ultimately how a lot of great discoveries are made, even though I think you and I probably never hear about it. It's just people, you know, 
kind of tiptoeing over the line about what's you know what's good and what's bad and and what's going to hurt people or what might hurt a certain species or whatever um but there is a point in this movie where they sort of go a little overboard and they're so committed to this I think what everyone in, in the movie even kind of does it what is like deemed as like a treachery right um that it's it's not it's not hard to go eh, and just kind of scratch your head and go well maybe but possibly maybe not you know so but but again i mean you know with this movie and with its themes and which all the things that it calls back to um now it, it, like i said before this is a modern day jaws and there are not any characters in this movie that I love as much as I love the characters from the modern day Jaws, but there's a lot that come close. Um, and for me, you know, it's good enough. And I will say honestly that for this movie and for the set and everything like that, I love the set of this one more than I like the set of Jaws. I mean, the beach is fun. Um, but it's almost more fun to follow a bunch of people that are in a place and put themselves there on purpose. Mm -hmm. For some reason, that's more fun for me, you know, but at the same time, they have so much, (sighs) there are so many distractions and so many of these little like comedic moments, you know, preach in the kitchen with this parrot and doing whatever else. And, you know, people trying to have all these like delicate moments with each other and, you know, and the, the daughter who who couldn't save her father and i mean there's just there's so many things it's like it's in a lot of ways and i know this is blasphemy in a lot of ways this is better than jaws yeah there there are definitely moments that you know since there there are similar uh sequences to some of like the later sequels um you know this Deep Blue Sea, like, when you're comparing it to, like, Jaws 3D, which, you know, we reviewed on the podcast, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. You know, we, we talked about how there, 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 I want to say there was as much urgency when it comes to uh, trying to save everyone when they were trapped uh, in Jaws 3D. As opposed to in Deep Blue Sea, not only are we exploring more of the facility... Uh, when it comes to, like, the, the chase sequence and a lot of the water coming in and the sharks busting through, uh, you know, you, you we're basically in a cat and mouse situation, like, throughout the entirety of the facility. And it's just like, okay, it's just, it keeps building up more and more. And then, you know, obviously we, we have uh, at one point where it's like, all right, it's basically uh, we're going to have to swim for our survival. And that's when, you know, Samuel L. Jackson is... Uh, you know, making his big speech until he gets, you know, just dragged right into the water, which was absolutely uh, fantastic. When, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, we need uh, uh, talking about the need for like a group unity in this case when uh, he's dragged in by the larger shark, absolutely devoured. Uh, And, you know, that ultimately does lead to uh, them trying to use the uh, industrial elevator. Uh, But it's like every step of the way when it comes to them trying to make the escape, you know, it's just constantly building tension. Whereas, like, in Jaws 3D, we're just like, okay, like, we're in this room, you know, like, 
yeah, like, we're all, like, kind of trapped in here, and the the water is rising, but then it, like, kind of stops, and, like, you know, they, they handled it... The, the situation was handled pretty well, but, like, it didn't really feel like you were in danger to to a varying degree as, you know, within this. It's just like, man, it's just, it's constant time and time again. They're like, oh, like, we can't go through here. You know, you see uh, kind of like the screws, like, unwinding and, like, the water shooting through. And you're like, oh, shit, like, we need to get through here because this, this door is going to burst open and, like, flood this entire passageway, which, sure enough, starts to happen. So there's there's always that sense of panic in this, which makes it much more exciting, even though it is dragged out quite a bit longer in comparison sakes. But, you know, it's it's one of those scenes where it, it really grabs your attention and really doesn't let you go, which is absolutely fantastic. And it, it is one of the reasons why, you know, on top of, you know, the animatronics uh, and, and the cast in this movie, it really helps make it stand out as well. And it's one that, you know, I, I definitely want to go back and check out the sequels uh, after we watch this. It's just finding time to do it but i just i want to see whether or not the sequels can capture something similar to that well okay so two things so i'm i'm much like you i haven't seen the sequels either which is it kind of a boggles my mind but also sort of makes some sense at the same time but talking about jaws 3d Jaws 3D did something that was very akin to... Have you ever seen any of the airport movies? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's what Jaws 3D did with that trap tunnel film with water. They were basically recreating an airport movie, right? And it is not a specific character being in peril. It's a chunk of the population being in peril. But, but that's what the first two Jaws movies didn't do. They... They made the beach a feeding ground, but nobody there was trapped. All you had to do was walk out of the water, right? And then you were fine. So that was kind of a, a little bit of a different vibe. Um, but then, like you said, going to this, uh, as much as it was sort of the underground passage, let's get to the top and, and do whatever else, they still did a remarkable job of making... Because there's definitely a moment where it's like, well, how the fuck could a shark get in here? And then it's like, well, then you see like the, the, the water pools and all the things that they have and the airlocks and whatever else. And then you see all these tunnels and then it's like, and especially that big, huge elevator. It's like, honestly, it makes a lot of sense. Like, if I can fill this with water, a shark could probably swim through here. Right. And so it's just it's honestly some pretty basic math at that point. Um, but I think that's what keeps this movie to your point, it keeps the tension building. It also keeps it sort of fun. Like it, it there's there's parts of this movie where it it makes you a little bit confused as to about who you should root for, because there are parts where it's like, I'm rooting for the shark, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but like getting more towards the end of the movie, and it's like, well, okay, the sharks had their battle back. They did everything else, and it's like maybe I should being a human maybe i should i should root for the humans you know and, and and sort of root for humanity but the interesting part is that when you get to the end of this like i think i think the ending of this movie is very jaws like and it's like you sort of were happy that our hero survived but at the same time you sort of felt bad for the shark mm -hmm. you know and i think that's the impressive part that's the truly impressive part of this whole thing. It's like, well, no, oh, damn. Well, and especially in this one, knowing that 
these sharks were, you know, genetically engineered to help us combat something like Alzheimer's. I mean, a real world issue. It's like, oh, well, shit. You know, it isn't just a pissed off shark. This, it's a pissed off shark, but a pissed off shark that is pissed off because people fucked with it, you know, but people ultimately fucked with it because there was a greater good in mind. So it's, it's ultimately kind of confusing. Yep, and uh, you know, of course, we have that moment too, where it's like, no, we need to, we need to save the research, because of course, you know, you got to go back for the research, <laughs> uh, which oh, is because, fantastic. Because I keep everything on a zip disk. Yeah. I totally do. <laughs> everything important to me is on a zip disk, and it's in a Ziploc bag, and I can grab it and go at a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yep, that's the way to do it. Uh, but anyways, uh, when we are. In the industrial elevator, of course, we have that great moment when we see the ladder fall and then, you know, kind of gets wedged in between uh, the walls of the shaft. So mm -hmm. we, we have that moment where, you know, we're like dangling over the water and you're like, oh, man, what's going to happen? You know, obviously there's the second shark uh, in this case. And, uh, you know, as as you would come to expect, uh, we have Janice who loses her grip and so fall in. Uh, and, you know, Carter is trying to save her, but, uh, you know, the shark just comes up, eats her. Mm -hmm. But my, my my favorite sequence in this movie is after that, when we have Preacher, uh, who, mm. you know, th throughout the bulk of this movie is kind of like isolated and on his own because he's in a different uh, part of the facility. And, you know, seeing him in the the kitchen... You know, because he is yes. a cook in this case. <laughs> that that entire sequence is just absolutely fantastic. Because at, at, at one point, you know, he's trying to uh, find the parrot. <laughs> who is just like, just without of reach. You know, he's trying to get to the high ground as well. Because, you know, the shark is looming uh, mm -hmm. in this case. But just, you know, we, we have this great moment where... You know, he's like trying to make an escape and he's like, oh, you know, I'll uh, I'll I'll take sanctuary in the oven of all places, of all to, places. To, get, <laughs> to, to hide from the shark. And uh, yeah, needless to say, um, probably wasn't the best idea. But that being said, you know, I, I love how how he still managed to make an escape. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, yeah, you're sure you're modified. But uh, yeah, you know, you're not the only one with uh, brains behind the brawn in this case, because, you know, we do see him get to the second level of the the oven, which is absolutely fantastic. So I, I love those moments where it's like it sets you up and it's like, OK, like, is he going to try to uh, just trap the shark somehow in this case and it's like well the shark's not actually gonna fit in this oven so that wouldn't make any sense but at the same time you know we we have the shark accidentally and i'll air quote that uh turning the oven on during this so you know he's breathing in all of this gas while he's uh just mouthing off to the shark basically uh which is just absolutely fantastic and i i love things like this where it's like you know you you have a character who is in grounds that are very familiar to him. So obviously, like, he's going to know the layout of the kitchen, obviously, because he is a chef in this case. Um, but just the idea of taking Sanctuary in, like, in that fashion just boggles my mind because, like, when when we're used to, like, protecting ourselves from certain elements, like, I'll, I'll use, like, uh, explosions, for example. You know, we, we always hear, like, the, oh, yeah, you know, just take shelter in, like, the, the freezer, 
<laughs> you know, we're, we're never thinking like, oh, yeah, you know, let me just hang out in the oven of all places in this case. So, like, I, I love how it managed to differentiate itself, but I just love the fact that it was just a fantastic way to stay true to the character while also being able to outsmart the shark in this case. And knowing that, like, hey, like, you're you're in my grounds now, so let's uh, let's put you to the test. Well, yeah, and that's the... the honestly kind of a repercussion of the set right so you have this you have this aquatic research facility and you have you know all these different things happening but it it i think it actually focuses on the fact that you have this this big facility but in the end people got to eat right mm -hmm. and they've got this great kitchen but then when the shark i mean there's a couple of moments that I really love here, and I and I like when the first the shark first comes in through the double doors, and it just goes the doors go, <laughs> and then they just close again, which I think is fantastic. And then the shark is swimming around, and then it's like it, its fin is like knocking floating pots and pans out of the way, um, and I love it because from my brain, I think it's what would happen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like shit would be floating, and like you know this thing would be, and to your point about you know preach trying to like he grabs his axe and he's like i'm just gonna be over here and i'm gonna fight and do whatever else but then he still he still has this thing where he's he's working so hard to save this stupid parrot which is just like it's it's ridiculous and then when he does climb into the oven and is going through to the the second stage of the oven one of the problems i have and it's it, it's a continuity thing the axe the axe that he has mm -hmm. It goes from being a very long-handled axe to a very short-handled axe a whole bunch of times throughout the scene. <laughs> um, and when he's chopping through the top layer of this oven and he, he gets up in there, well, I'm thinking to myself, it's like, okay, so I chopped a, a hole big enough for a guy to fit through, right? And I've gotten up there, but somehow I'm still protected from what's happening below me. I'm mm. like, ah, I'm not entirely sure that that's accurate, but still the scene is it's having a shark in your kitchen right i mean and so it, it it it's it's so fucking ridiculous but at the same time for the facility that we're at there's a lot of it that makes total sense so it, it one of the things this movie did so well i think we've talked about it is is taking this this situation and making it very approachable like yeah, if I was the the guy who was just a cook here, that was my only job is to feed people, and the place starts to flood, and all of a sudden, you know, sharks are coming in through our infinity pools. Like it, it actually makes a lot of fucking sense, but in the most like movie and sort of cosmic way. <laughs> Absolutely, and it it just reminds me of uh, Sharknado at one point where they're like, oh yeah, and there's a uh, a shark in your swimming pool, and oh no, there's not. Just looks up comes right through fantastic uh but yeah <laughs> uh, it's always important to to know your surroundings and really just be a master of your elements and preach shows that uh regardless of any uh continuity issues uh in regards to the accent he was using uh but yeah good times uh so so after that you know we we do have uh preach kind of reuniting with the rest of the crew at that point which um is i think there's only three other people that are alive at that point because it's carter Susan and Tom at this point. Uh, and, you know, all of them are uh, pretty traumatized by the deaths that we saw both from Russell as well as Janice. 
And uh, this is when, you know, we are trying to open the door in order to get to the surface. Uh, and, you know, they're dealing with activating all of the controls in this case. Uh, and, you know, that's the course when the largest shark comes into play. Uh, Tom, unfortunately, does not make it. So another one bites the dust. And, uh, you oh. know, this is when we, we get the, the whole, okay, I need to I need to go back. You know, I, I'm going to separate myself from the rest of the crew in order to to get my flash drive because we can't lose all of the medical data because that's the most important thing. You know, life always finds a way, right? Or that's 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 one of the common things in Jurassic Park. And it's just like, I mean, sure. But, uh, you know, it's definitely risky to go alone in this case. It's like, how are you going to protect yourself? You know, there's just water everywhere. And, uh, you know, sure enough, we have some more cat and mouse situations uh, with with Susan as she's uh, venturing off on her own. But all in all, like she she handles business, which is is great to see, because like you don't always expect it from that sort of character. Well, yeah, so to to back up just a couple of minutes, we, we do have our. After the kitchen scene, we do have our when Russell is making his speech and he's doing and he's basically doing the same, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm motherfucking sick of these motherfucking sharks on this motherfucking platform thing. Like, so he's basically doing his snakes on a plane speech and then gets chomped and then gets like drug out. Mm -hmm. um, so that which reduces our cast by, again, one more. But then, yeah, there's something. I don't know, as they. As they go through this, this movie has um, it has a lot of abyss vibes to it. It has a lot of oddly enough towering inferno vibes to it, um, like things that I just like kind of like struck me and like and but then also like the the shark like swimming through the passages um, and how it's like, oh, there's this closed door. And it's just the shark just goes, Bunk, and the door just magically opens for them. Um, but, like, that's when it, we kind of get to our big, huge industrial elevator and everyone's climbing up. Um, and I think at this point, I think we've got, I think it's four people left, and, but we haven't, I think we haven't found Preach yet. Um, but there's there's four left, and then the one research assistant lady, I, can't, I mean, she's so memorable, I can't remember her name. Um, but she gets, she, like, we have Thomas Jane hanging upside down from the ladder, and he's trying to, like, haul her out of the water, and she just gets the old, uh, kind of, the blender, the shark blender thing. Um, there's something about this, we'll call it the industrial elevator, because I think that's a good term for it, but I think it's used in a lot of other movies in a lot of different ways, whether it be, you know, the nuclear missile silo, whether it be escaping the prison, whether it be trying to get out of the space station, it's 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 used over and over again. But I think this movie actually does it really, really effectively. And it's it's not only that, but it's also one of those situations like when they are trying to make the escape, they also do the whole ordeal where it's like they're trying to open up one of the other doors in order to create more time for the escape just to like give uh you know just room for like an explosion or the water to also pour into uh just to buy them like that little extra time because obviously like they're they're up against the clock you know as soon as the water fills up like this whole thing is just gonna end up uh just a perfect passageway for the biggest shark to to uh come up and attack them uh but you know 
One of the moments that, like, everyone's like, oh, finally, like, is when <laughs> when Susan, uh, you know, is by herself, you know, she has a moment where uh, she is just narrowly escaping by climbing onto, like, this table, uh, you know, and, you know, for, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you know, obviously, like, the goal here is to electrocute the shark using the power cable. <laughs> and uh, she takes off her clothes in this scene. Well, of course. And, you know, we're like, that makes sense. Uh, it ends up electrocuting the shark, uh, basically in her skivvies <laughs> or her underwear. Well, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, hey, like, you know, you do your thing. Uh, but in the process of this, ends up destroying the research. So it's like, well, I guess you can't uh, can't get everything right. So yeah, you can't you, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, but I mean. But even like when she's when she's looking for the research, right? And she she finds it, and she's all happy. It's like it, there's nothing here. I mean, there's that moment where like the model of the shark floats up to her, and and that for some reason is really I don't know. It, there's something about that scene where it's just like, I mean, it's the scare, but not the scare. Um, you know, but then when she's in that office and she's just and things are just like going to hell and to your point, she jumps up on the table, she's kind of bouncing around doing whatever else. Yeah. And then for some reason, like all of her clothes have to come off. And I, <laughs> I admittedly, I'm a fan, but I don't really get why it had to happen. I mean, because I would think that rubber would protect her from the electricity in the water. But. I'm as a red-blooded American male. I'm always going to be a fan of a girl in her drawers. That's just it, you're never going to stand me wrong there. Yeah, it's like why'd you do that? I don't know. Fuck it. That's why. <laughs> well, yeah, because there's a shark, and I'm afraid. And mm-hmm. but just watching her, watching her pull down that like that piece of conduit and just going boom into the water. That is literally our Jaws two moment. Yep. And that's what's again. Normally, movies that like blatantly rip off something else, I I'm I'm not going to be a super fan of, but they do so well with the story and with the characters and everything else in this movie that I I don't see it as anything other than a fireworks display mm-hmm. for the previous movie that came before it, and I think it's absolutely awesome. And she's super hot, and <laughs> I yeah, there's that. But yeah, anyway, I mean that that, that definitely helps. Uh, so, so after this, we have Carter, Susan, and Preach, uh, who are heading towards the top of the, the research center, uh, and end up going through, like, the decompression chamber, uh, and they end up swimming to the surface, uh, but, you know, we have this great moment when Preach is caught by the third shark, and ends up dragging him through the water, um, but he, he is able to make an escape by stabbing the shark in the eye with his crucifix, uh, which causes the shark to release him. And, you know, I think, like, for the most part, like, we always hear about, like, oh, yeah, you know, just if you're attacked by a shark, just, you know, punch it in the nose. Uh, this not always necessarily work, but I love the fact that, you know, we, we do have these moments in the movie where, you know, obviously, like, with someone named Preacher, obviously, uh... You know, he's he's wearing his crucifix. We have moments of prayer in this movie. Mm-hmm. And again, like you're you're following through with it. Or, you know, part of his identity, really, uh, throughout 
different facets of the movie. So I, I love the fact that they threw that in there as well. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if that would necessarily, like, be enough to, uh, to release him, so to speak, but I'm no shark expert. Hey, you know, I'll have to watch, uh, shark exploitation, uh, at, at that point. But, uh, just a great moment where it's just, like, when you, when you look at the characters of this movie, like, on, like, a first-time watch, Preach probably isn't necessarily, like, someone that you thought was going to make it out alive, no, not at all. I mean, you. He, I mean, he he reeks of cannon fodder, right? He reeks of it. Um, which getting to the end of the movie is kind of funny too. And it's like, as you get to the end and you see this backdrop of all these, and this is always funny to me. It's like we have all these like cement pillars and whatever else, but there's all these things, and they're all like on fire and 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 whatever else, and the whole facility is slowly sinking. Um. It, 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 they're trying to make it very post-apocalyptic, which I, I guess I sort of get because they've definitely been through a struggle. Um, there's some pieces of it that don't entirely make sense. Like, um, they 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 drag Preach out of the water, and she, it, despite the whole place sinking, has like a full first aid kit that she's able to like wrap him up with, and and you know, sort of bandage him up. And then they have their like little speech time where you know things are gonna be fine and. You know, don't worry about it. And she's like, but this is what we're going to do. And here's our plan. And and honestly, the plan, like, A, I kind of dig it. But at the same time, you can also see where it's going to go horribly, horribly wrong. And it's it's pretty easy to read from about a mile off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love to, like, uh, you know, at its core, it's always like, well, what are the sharks actually planning? You know, because... <laughs> Because I'll say, like, there's, like, this bigger goal for them, which, uh, of course, is for them to escape to the open sea, because, of course, that's what a 40-foot shark would want. He doesn't want to be caged up in this, uh, you know, water at this facility. No, he wants to be out and about, just causing absolute mayhem. Uh, and, you know, it's like a... F- Carter, Carter was pretty quick to, to figure it out at that point in time. Uh, and, of course, you know, it kind of just heart harkens back to... Uh, defenses that are at the surface, which just look so measly. Like, they're definitely, like, just, like, this weak mesh <laughs> material, and it's like, yeah, he's not, they're not gonna have a problem, like, breaking through this. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're, we're basically, like, getting to, uh, the, the finale here, where, where, you know, they're trying to shoot the shark with, uh, the spear gun. And well, we have... Yeah. I mean, I, okay, so t- to back up just one second, mm-hmm. the the hard part of this movie, as much as I like it, and it, you, you pointed it out when she destroyed the research by putting the, the wire in the water and it fried everything, mm-hmm. that, unfortunately, for me, is where the jeopardy in this movie died. It's where it died. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so one big shark gets out in the ocean. Who gives a shit? Like, I'm, like I mean, because, again, the one thing this movie doesn't have is the, you know, the Amity Island vibe, right? Where it's right. like there's something, whether it be one one town's socioeconomic future or whatever else, but after the research was gone, it's like the, the Jeopardy was completely gone. It's like now all we have left is three people, you know? And then after the scientist lady cuts her hand and jumps into the water... Now we're down to two. And as much as I love the ending of this movie, because it's really it's really fun ending, 
it, there isn't any jeopardy. So if the shark gets out, who cares? I mean, it might disturb the shipping lanes of going from here to South America a little bit. Mm-hmm. Big deal. You know, who cares? It's not going to, you know, if if one rich guy's catamaran gets eaten off of Catalina Island, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I don't. Mm-hmm. Just let, let the sharks feed. Who cares? You know, so that's probably this movie's biggest flaw is that it it removed the jeopardy and the what do we have to lose like 15 minutes too early. Right, because there's really no immediate threat uh, in this case, even if it does hit yep. the, the open water. Uh, but yeah, as you were mentioning, uh, Susan does cut herself and ends up diving into the water. Uh, and of course, as she is trying to uh, swim to safety after drawing the shark's attention, she tries to, you know, climb up the ladder that's there. Unfortunately, you know, that breaks in the process and she ends up getting killed by the shark. Uh, you know, Carter does try to dive in to save her. But of course, at that point, it's already too late, as you uh, would come to expect, which leads to Preach being the unsung hero trying to uh, to to make the final shot. And of course, yeah. you know, being a uh, a cook, he uh, he he lands a shot, but on the wrong he target. <laughs> uh, he does. Yep. Yep. Well, no, he hits the shark. He hits the shark, but it goes through the shark <laughs> and Carter's leg. You know, two for like killing two birds with one stone. You know, that's, that's uh, basically what it is. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll call it that. Yeah. Yeah, because the whole thing is that inside that dart is some sort of explosive that mm-hmm. is set off by whatever the hell it's set off by. I don't even know. It, it was a it was a car battery. That they well, were a car battery. <laughs> yes, yeah, and he just and he was oh, and but it has that it does have that good movie moment where you get to watch that that coil mm-hmm. unspool, and it just and it, and I'll admit it. It, it does try and succeeds a little bit in trying to bring a little bit of the tension back. Um, but it, going back to it, and then uh, again, here we have our giant exploding shark from, well, pretty much every Jaws movie ever. Mm. But um, again, that the, there's this through this movie where they have these people that are researching Alzheimer's. You have a tropical storm coming. You have this facility that is um, somewhat somewhat susceptible, maybe delicate to the storms and whatever else. Uh, there's something about when when she shows that that bag of the research tapes that are fried after she did that. That was the spot where it was like, I I I didn't mentally check out, but at the same time, I knew that most of this didn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and that one's that one's hard for me. I definitely get that. Um, so, okay, so we, we have Preacher accidentally hidden uh, Carter in the thigh uh, with this. Uh, and, of course, you know, the shark is breaking through that mesh fence that we were talking about. Uh, and, you know, this whole time, Carter's basically attached to the shark by this harpoon. Uh, and that's when we have, like, the trailing wire moment, which is hooked up to the car battery, uh, which sends that electric current uh, through the wire to the, you know, explosion charge in the harpoon, which ends up, you know, blowing up the shark pretty, pretty good. Uh, and of course, you know, we have that moment where Carter manages to, you know, break himself free just in time. He swims away 
And of course, you know, we see the the wreckage or the remains of uh, the facility in this case. And, you know, we, we do have like that fairly abrupt ending when it comes to like, oh, he, you know, here's the, the worker's boat appearing uh, just like on the horizon in this case. And, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that like at the tail end of the movie, you know, Carter is just like giving preach shit about like yeah. hitting him. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. like you you had nice a forty shot. foot target. You know, it's <laughs> like, and of course you hit me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and then like get into the very end of this movie, and like you said, you see the the, the rescue boat come up, and then keeping with the nineties two thousands, what do we have? We have one of the worst rap songs ever. <laughs> That pops up. Yeah. It's like, it sounds like a shock fan. <laughs> like, like, okay, you know what? I like LL Cool J too. I definitely do. But this is not one of his better songs. <laughs> so, but I, you know, he, it's like, hey, if you're going to be an actor in this movie, you have to bring us a song too. And he was like, hmm, a shark movie. What should I write about? You know? Mm-hmm. So I, that, most of it makes sense. But um, seriously, uh, overall, uh, Deep Blue Sea, yeah. It's it's not Jaws. It wants to be. Um but it gets like eighty-six percent of the way there. Hmm. And if for me as a fan, good enough. Yes. Totally good enough. Yeah. Definitely passes. Uh I, I wouldn't say necessarily with flying colors, but it, it does enough things well that it makes it stand out amongst uh you know some of the other offerings from the subgenre. Well, and then the the one scene that I I forgot to mention earlier, but was I think the the harbinger of um, Jaws three mm-hmm. was the doctor on the gurney um, getting pulled out into the water, and because they had put an oxygen mask on him, he was still alive, but the shark threw him at the window and cracked the window, mm-hmm. and. It didn't seem to me like like they were all that far down, so I'm not sure why the window was like three feet thick and had to have chunks of it come out <laughs> that were the size of like a car battery. Um, but I think that window exploding and the water filling in, I think I think that was the movie makers kind of big F you to the to the Jaws 3D people because their window exploding underground or underwater was awful. It was absolutely <laughs> awful. So I think these people were like, you know what? Yeah, we could do this better. Yep. And and they did. And it was <laughs> it was really, really good. It was really good. Really fun. But I think that's part of, you know, part of knowing these movies and part of watching them for, for so long. It's like, it's kind of fun to see when you see a new movie come along. And this is not a new movie, obviously. But like, to 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 see a moment where they are obviously going back to the movies that preceded it. And they're like, yeah, we loved you, but you kind of fucked up here, so we're going to do it better. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, like I I didn't have a moment where, you know, we we didn't necessarily have the follow through, you know, like the momentum here was was kept. Unlike in Jaws 3D, when it just abruptly just stops as soon as the impact happens. And I'm just like... Yeah, no, like, that's definitely not how that would happen. So uh, to kind of, like, see that played out uh, in a more traditional fashion or something that would make a lot more sense in my head was uh, definitely very appreciative. And, uh, you know, it just comes to show, like, 
you know, not every movie is going to get it right. And yes, you know, we we harped a little bit on Jaws 3D uh, for the effects not really holding up, uh, which is true. But, you know, I I still don't think that it was as bad as the community was really making it out to be. Um, but it, mm-hmm. but it really feels like, you know, over, you know, when I, when I've been talking to like other friends about, uh, shark movies, um, deep blue sea is one that is always held in pretty high regard. And, you know, after rewatching it, it's like, yeah, like I, I completely understand, um, why this one is as impactful as it is. And even though it is like really late in the nineties, since it did come out in 1999, like, it feels like a 90s movie in the best way possible, <laughs> which is which is just fantastic because, you know, obviously, like growing up in the 90s just makes uh, me like it even more. Uh, but, you know, like I like growing up, like when this was out, like I, I didn't see it right away. Like I definitely caught it on VHS at some point, but it was, like, further down the line from, a lot, like, a lot of other, like, creature features or just other, you know, horror offerings at the time. Because uh, I was more drawn to uh, the slashers growing up than I was, like, the, the creature features. Um, but I'm trying to think, like, where, where this one would have been in regards to, like, shark movies at the time when I was, like, first getting into the genre. Because, like, obviously, like, Jaws was the first one that I saw. And I think after that, it was probably Piranha. But I, well, I, the- I, I don't know where the trail led after that. Well, I mean, when it comes to the, we'll call it the aquatic creatures, right? Yeah. Um, because you had Jaws, you had Piranha, you had Alligator. I mean, you go way, way back. You got Creature from Black Lagoon, right? I mean, so th- these movies all are tied in to a certain extent. Um when you have what we'll call a reimagining of a movie, um, I think everyone that makes a shark movie wants to think that their movie is Jaws, and most of them aren't, right? They just aren't. Um, this movie is most of the way there, which is what I think makes it ultimately magical as a watch. I mean, it it gives you a lot of the same things. This movie, I will I, I will honestly say, I think gives you more character. Mm-hmm. I think... The sets are more interesting, and I think overall the premise is more interesting. Now, when it comes to the terror and the dread, I mean, Jaws has got it all day long and twice on Sunday, right? It's always going to have it. But for a reimagining and in a movie that not so subtly paid visage to every single Jaws movie that was ever made, um, including the helicopter, for the record. Um, so, I mean, it's like, so, uh, it, this movie is, it, it, where it has its little minor flaws and it might have whatever else, it is definitely a standout in, in the genre as far as a creature feature goes. It's definitely a standout when it comes to a shark movie. Um, but it also does some things where it's, I think it brings it more close to home because of what the people were researching and what they were trying to do. Um, and it makes it a more controversial, but also be more palatable at the same time. So it, it gives you more to think about, more to talk about. So I, overall, yeah, great fucking movie, man. Great movie. Yeah. They, there are definitely when it comes to, um, you know, taking inspiration from a movie, 
Um, there, there are definitely movies out there that feel like pretty blatant car carbon copies when it comes to like taking the influence from other properties. Um, but I don't think like this one like ever really like reached that point for me. I I think really the only one that I could think of that like it kind of irked me that I know that we reviewed on the podcast was Leviathan. Having so many parallels to other movies where like it kind of like muddled it to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm enjoying it, but it's like this is a lot of stuff that I have already seen and it wasn't done to the same extent. So it just didn't have as much impact on me. But, you know, Deep Blue Sea, like I I, I didn't really feel that way. It's like, yeah, like they, they made improvements in, in some areas compared to like some of uh, the, the properties that it was pulled from. Uh, but it, it wasn't so much of a like distraction piece where like it really took me out of the situation either. Well, yeah, I mean, Leviathan had, uh, what do we call it? Um, for the time, it had some star power, right? It had Peter Weller, it had Meg Foster. Um, it, 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 overall, was Leviathan pretty good? It, it, yeah, I think it was. Um, it definitely pulled some things from some other movies. Um, I still think Deep Star Six is a better movie than Leviathan. Mm -hmm. I, it was a more enjoyable movie. Um, and whether it was characters or whether it was scenes or whatever else, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, but then uh, with Leviathan, Leviathan was underwater alien. It mm -hmm. really was. Right. Um, so, I mean, you can't... It, it, <clears throat> Whether it was executed well or not executed well, I, I don't want to argue that because there are days where I think it's a great movie and things where I'm just like, eh, crap. You know, but that just kind of ebbs and flows with my opinions. Um, but I think for Deep Blue Sea, um, probably one of the, like, like the most beautiful parts of this movie is that when it gets going, you think you know exactly where it's coming from and that it gives you something different still while being a shark movie. And that I think is the impressive part. Um, and I, uh, you know, uh, with what I think about movies and the hundreds of movies that I watch, and especially the hundreds of crappy movies that I watch, um, this is not a crappy movie. This is this is a good movie. This is a, this is a movie that you can watch and you can rewatch, and it's always going to be fun. The characters are always going to be fun. The there's a bit of social commentary in here. That's always going to be. Maybe not fun is the right word, but it's going to be relevant every single time. Um, and I think one of the big differences is the social commentary part of it is what makes it very palatable. Um, and it, again, having a father that died of Alzheimer's, like, I totally get it now. Like, I totally get it. And it's not, it's not one of those things where as much as I love to pick apart movies, and I think you know that I love to pick apart movies for all their faults, um, this movie has a lot of fun doing what it is. It has moments where it gives you great character moments um, and just letting people be who they are. It gives you... It, it does not... It is not a movie that is filled with TNA and just throws boobs at you and just wants you to forget that it's bad. Um, but I think it's, that's also because it knows that it's not, you know, and I think that's like the making of a great movie. It's like, 
definitely when when scientist lady is in her room looking for that research and she strips down for no apparent reason <laughs> and she's and she's super hot but at the same time it's like well there's definitely far more to her than that and i think we all know it but every once in a while it's okay to get a chicken white lingerie and just enjoy it you know <laughs> so why not you know um but it's it, it it's a simple in context but it's a deepened meaning, and I think that's what Deep Blue Sea is. Absolutely. So uh, looking ahead, we are wrapping up our Shark Week celebration uh, next week. Um, you know, like I'm so conflicted on like what to pick, just because like there are so many like B Shark movies that like I really enjoy, and like obviously like there's ones that we've we've brought up uh, a couple of times like throughout throughout these few weeks. Um. I, I honestly want to revisit Sky Sharks because uh, like that is one that I remember having a lot of fun with. And it's it's on the more ridiculous side of the subgenre. <laughs> but it's just it's a fantastic movie that I just really appreciated uh, the first time I watched it. Now, granted, was I like four deep at the time? Yes, but it will make for a good conversation at least. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. That one came out in 2020. I don't know if you've seen that one. I have not, but I'm looking forward to it now. Just from what you just from the uh, 30 second synopsis you give me, I think it sounds fun. Uh, basically, you have uh, the Antarctic. You have geologists who are uncovering this old Nazi laboratory that's still intact. Uh, you know where they were doing some experiments, and uh, they're you know looking to conquer the world by uh, creating these modified sharks. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's uh, that's basically all you need to know. Going OK, <laughs> OK, well, <laughs> that's enough. That's enough. And I'll show up. OK, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good time. So uh, definitely go check that out. Uh, but, yeah, you know, as uh, Grindhouse was mentioned in quite a bit uh, in this episode and, you know, prior weeks too, uh, Shark Side of the Moon is definitely one that veers from the norm uh, in a lot of mm. ways, which was also a to be original. Uh, which is also like one of those scenes where it's like, I know for a lot of people when it comes to streaming services and original programming, more so with the free options out there, you know, for for a lot of people seeing like to be original will scare them off because there's that assumption that, you know, the quality just isn't going to be there. Um, whereas, like, you know, maybe with, like, with Netflix or, like, Shudder in this case, um, that's a little bit different because, you know, Shudder is basically going out and acquiring the rights to stream the movie, and then they're slapping the label on it as a Shudder original, even though, like, it wasn't made specifically for the streaming platform, whereas in Tubi's case, it's, you know, original, like, in-house stuff. Uh... But Shark, Shark Side of the Moon was definitely one that I was like, okay, this sounds ridiculous, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to check it out. And I had a, a really good time with it. And it's definitely one where, you know, even as someone who's like, oh, Tubi's doing original content, like, okay, like, I'm, I don't really know what to expect going in. But if, like, that is a baseline pulse reading for, like, other titles that they've been putting out, I'm definitely going to be checking out more of their specific program and outside of like obviously all the other great content that they do have because you know Tubi's definitely been acquiring just about everything under the sun that th at this point in time uh so you know it's it's great as a cons consumer 
to, you know, have that other option. Because, uh, you know, for a lot of people who have been, you know, cutting down on treatment services, Tubi has always kind of like been the one that uh, people seem to like fall back on uh, for the most part, just because like they do have a more diverse catalog for, uh, you know, whether it's horror specific or not, but there are just a ton of different offerings on there that you aren't going to find in other places. But definitely go check out Shark Side of the Moon because you and I both seem to uh, to really enjoy that one. But yeah, Sky Sharks next week, and uh, hopefully you will enjoy it as much as I did. I'm sure you will. But it's just like, it's a it's a B-movie. Like, you know, you kind of have set expectations of kind of like what to expect. And it's just, it's going to be popcorn fun. Well, I honestly think every horror movie that comes out is probably going to be a B-movie. And if it rises above that, then it's just gravy for me. Right. You know, and to your point, Tubi is a great place for that. Because, you know what, there's... I would not say that Tubi has anything that is garbage, okay? There are movies that I'll watch and movies I won't watch, and I, I usually know within the first five minutes whether I'm going to watch it or not, right? But Tubi has also given me a lot of just gems, just absolute gems. Um, one of the ones I'll mention now, and I, I'm not a huge vampire fan, never been my thing, whatever else. There's a movie on Tubi called Kicking Blood. Have you seen Kicking Blood? I have not, no. Okay, put that on your list because that is an amazing film. An amazing film. Um, I'm surprised it's not more talked about, uh, you know, just in the ranks of the horror people. But that movie is, it, it, it was just freaking amazing. It was just freaking amazing. Um, but I, I don't think ultimately now Tubi is any different than Hulu or Netflix mm-hmm. or Prime or whatever else that you have to wade through buckets and buckets and buckets of shit to get to something that's good. Yeah, just because 2B tends to be more original programming, I I don't think you have to wade any deeper than you do on any of the other platforms to get to something that's good. Mm -hmm. And 2B, I think, is at least, at the very least, it's free, it's honest about what it is, and... It, it it sets your expectations so low that if a movie is even a little bit good, you're winning. So who the fuck cares after that, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, most of my, well, not most, probably half of my, my 2022 watches for the new year came off of Tubi. And um, yeah, were 80% of them not super great? Yeah. But... 20% of them were awesome. And you know what? I can't say that Netflix has gotten me into the 20% mark. <laughs> even a little bit. Okay? For original programming. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? Tubi, Tubi has a formula, and they're doing their thing. And I, I, there's not a lot to be argued with, especially for free. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I will definitely go add that one to, to my list as we uh, we wrap this one up. But yeah, so just as a reminder, um, I know like you and I have kind of like... We've had Wednesday hiccups here lately. Uh, we will be doing another Sunday recording next week just because I am going to Cubs versus White Sox on Wednesday for the Crosstown series, which would be great. Even though I'm going to be in enemy territory at uh, <laughs> and, you know, the White Sox uh, G-spot or whatever the fuck they're called in their arena nowadays. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be a good time. We got like front row uh, tickets in the outfield in left center, so which is like the prime spot for like the 
home runs in that particular stadium. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, but also looking forward to Sky Shark. So, you know, you have a first time watch. And also, I, I, I have a very strong feeling that the, the Twisted crew is going to have an absolute right with it. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so we got that coming up on Sunday. We'll also be, you know, watching Sky Sharks on Twisted Tuesday this week. So hope to see you guys there for that. Uh, I'll also be doing our holiday horror for Christmas in July on Monday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and that would be tomorrow. Uh, and we're watching the original Black Christmas, uh, which is always one that we watch. Uh, both. I, I tend to like always watch it both in July and, uh, you know, during the holidays as well. Uh, just because like, you know, it is like the quintessential, you know, mm. Christmas one out there. Um, and I still have another one to make up for the the month as well. Um, no, actually, I still have another week, so that works. I, I also want to do a Christmas horror story, uh, which is one that I yes. wasn't I wasn't able to find on streaming services the last time I did this. And like that was one that would have been at like the tip top of my list because that was one of the offerings at least for like the holiday movies that came out that like really tried something different and really stood out similar to like the experience that I had with rare exports. Uh, Cause that was another one that was completely veering off the path from a lot of the other offerings that we were getting at the time too. Christmas horror story. Isn't that the one that had the little zombie elves in it? Yeah. It's that that and, uh, yeah, yeah, it does. Well, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a compendium, but one of them is the, one of them is the zombie elves and Santa fighting off the zombie elves. Isn't that one? Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. Okay. I'm in. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That one is absolutely fantastic. And, yeah. uh, but yeah. So with that being said, guys, we're to call it a night here. Thank you so much for tuning in to handle Whisker. We'll see you guys. Uh, hopefully Monday and Tuesday for the movie streams. And if not, we'll see you on Sunday for our next podcast recording. You guys have a good night and we'll see you around.